welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 84 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and today I'm joined by the very talented and beautiful Melinda Price. She's a mum, a naturopath, and a motorsport athlete with over 20 years driving experience in various categories. She has an amazing story that she's going to be sharing with us today. Thank you for everyone that has subscribed to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying the shows. We are coming up to our 100th episode and are looking for our 100th guest. So if you have someone that you'd like to be interviewed um, or you would like to be interviewed, uh, please um, email us at win at motivatetraining.com.au. We also recently have updated our website. So if you haven't seen our website before, please race over to motivatetraining.com.au. And let's get started with today's show. So Melinda, welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. Thank you. It's been a long time in the making, hasn't it? It has been. I have been trying to track you down for a long time. Um, not to track you down to tap, but to obviously get you on to podcast um, this today's interview because you've got a fantastic story about your time in motorsports. Let's get started off. How did you get involved in motorsports? Um, I think probably the same way as a lot of other kids. I started racing go-karts. Um, my dad used to race cars. Um, and a, lo a lot of my family as well, his brothers and stuff. So I was essentially the eldest son. Uh, so as soon as I was old enough, we were off to the uh, to the go-kart track after school and practising. And as soon as I was old enough to have my race, that was pretty much our whole lives for the next 10 or 15 years. Fantastic. So you started off in Victoria racing? Yep. yep. Um, so you did all the karting. And then what did you do after karting? What was the next kind of step and... So I carted for ages and ages and I wanted to start racing. Formula Ford was the natural progression then and I wanted to race and Dad kept saying to me, he's adamant that I needed to go to university. Um, so he said, go to uni and when you finish uni, I'll buy you a racing car. So <laughs> I fell for that one and off I went. Um, but in the meantime, I ended up, I remember coming home from uni one day and um, mum said to me, oh, Gary Rogers called for you because they were very good family friends of ours. Um, so we used to spend a bit of time with them. Anyway, Gary Rogers called for you. Uh, he wants to know if you want to race at Bathurst. And I'm like, yeah, good one, Mum. Very funny. Uh, but it was true. Uh, so it was the, um, the Easter Bathurst, the production car Bathurst, um, in a Nissan Pulsar with a bunch of other ladies. And that was my sort of introduction. So bypassed the whole open wheeler thing and, um, start, and had my first race in the little Nissan Pulsar out at Sandown. Um, and just sort of things happen from there. Now, Melinda, obviously with this is audio, so people can't see you, but you really don't look like a, a, a day over 30. So tell us how long ago it is. <laughs> what, what year are we talking about? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I, I do have a big birthday uh, coming up in a few months that I was debating whether to let slide or not because I figure if it happens while you're in lockdown in isolation and you can't celebrate perhaps you get to put it off for another year um, but I'll be 50 this year um, I know it's a big number isn't it yeah. um, so 
So, you know, karting would have started in the late 70s for me and my so early 90s, probably when I started racing in cars. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we know if we're at Sandown, we've done Nissan. Um, what was the next step? So how did your relationship continue with um, GM? GR. <laughs> yeah, GRM. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we did some more racing and we did a couple of the um, endurance races up at Bathurst and that was, um, you know, amazing. Um, and just from there, I mean, the whole thing's a, a bit of a, a blur, but one thing just seemed to to lead to another, sort of one drive finished and another one started and I was lucky enough to race out at the Super Speedway when the Oscars and NASCARs were massive and they had the Legends category um, and I drove one of those and then, uh, you know, just drove lots of other production cars and then um, obviously the Castrol Cougars came along and then there was some GTP after that and a couple of trips overseas and it was just, um, yeah, it was amazing. I love the fact how you're just like rolling over all of these major events and for you, you've lived it and um, you probably don't think much of it or you probably don't like talking to yourself, but people are kind of like, hey, hey, hang on, go back a few steps. There's been so many fantastic achievements, but one of those things that obviously stands out was um, most people know is the Cashel Cougar. So tell us a little bit about that race team and how that came about. Uh, so that was a Castrol initiative. Um, and yeah, they just uh, decided to, you know, that they wanted to try and run a car for some uh, female competitors. Uh, so a bunch of us, um, and I'm not sure how how they obviously approached Larry, and he said that was fine. So a bunch of us got taken out to Calder um, one day to do a test, and there was Karen and myself who ultimately ended up sharing the car, and then a couple of other ladies. Um, who were more sports people and had done the celebrity race and stuff like that. And we all got thrown into this, uh, you know, touring car, which was pretty amazing. And obviously, as a young kid growing up racing go-karts in terms of racing in Australia, you know, driving a touring car is, was was the top of the mountain. Yeah. So that was um, pretty amazing to be out there and, and doing that. And we all went out and, you know, had our day and, did our laps and whatever, and uh, Karen and I sort of made the cut. So that was a pretty incredible experience. Um, you know, think, things were a lot different back then to what they are now. But, you know, I remember my first Bathurst, oh, my first driver's briefing, like even just sit, sitting there with people like Glenn Seaton and Peter Brock and Dick Johnson and people that you've watched on TV and looked up to your whole life thinking, I can't even believe I'm in the same driver's briefing as these guys. Uh, so it was super, super cool. Yeah, like, and that's so amazing. And, you know, that for us was probably the first time that there was really women in motorsports and people were trying to really pay attention um, for women um, competing. So what was the boys like in that room, like you say? <laughs> it was, you know, it was a really mixed bunch, let's say. There was quite a, um, an age differential in the other competitors. There were some that were a little bit older that probably had a little bit more of that mainstream, uh, sorry, old school chauvinistic kind of point of view. Um, but, you know, the younger guys um, that I grew up racing go-karts with and stuff, you know, they were very accepting. I mean, we, we'd all known each other for years and to them I was just another driver. So it was a mixed bag. Some people, you know, the, the younger ones embraced it and were happy happy for me to be there and I think the older ones um, perhaps not so much. 
<laughs> and, and how did you overcome that? Like, was there any, um, you know, really big discrepancies or I don't want to say like harassment to use those yeah. kind of words, but was there any kind of, I guess, conflict or, um, you know, any uneasy periods that you had to go through during that time? Oh, look, you know, I've obviously had, um, had a few bad experiences and I guess we all have those. Um, you know, some things can be a little bit more complicated by being a female, but for the most part, you know, the way that my dad brought me up and my mentality was that, that I was adamant to not expect to be treated any differently in any way just because I was a girl. Yep. Um, and that's, uh, that's still my point of view now, you know, there's no reason why, uh, women can't drive as fast as men. It's not like football or something where those big physical, you know, things really just, you know, make a difference. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to be one of the boys. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, there's challenges that are unique to not being one of the boys, but for the most part, um, it was pretty good. Fantastic. And what was kind of like one of your favourite um, moments that you had during your race career when you are at the peak of it? Uh, my very favourite was I uh, was lucky enough to go over and race at the Nürburgring. Wow. Um, yes, a, a few times. And I, I went over there and raced uh, the Beetle with Ross Palmer and Sir Jack Brabham. So it was pretty amazing um, to be doing a race with Sir Jack. And, um, I mean, even it, just to have my name on the same window as his name, you know, in the same car is pretty cool. Um, so anyway, so we were up there on a practice day and he took me for a lap of the Nürburgring. So I'm strapped into the passenger seat and he's there driving and he gives me a big smile as we're leaving the pits and he says, it's not very often these days I get to make a young girl squeal. Oh, <laughs> With a big, cheeky smile on his face. And, um, you know, off we went um, on our lap of the Nürburgring, which is obviously a really long lap, like in the Beetle, I think it was, know nine nine or ten minutes or something like that so he obviously knew the track really really well yeah and much better than me and I felt like he was trying to you know make me nervous and hold on and I was trying to sit there with my arms folded being all cool um and so at one point he went went uh, we came up this blind hill and we went flying off the track through the grass and I'm like oh and grabbed onto the thing and he obviously knew exactly where we were and I didn't. So we've just neatly popped up over back onto the track on the other side and I looked over and he was in hysterics pissing himself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, that's that's absolutely on wow. top of it. Yeah. How exciting, Linda. So jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and so you mentioned that your father said that he wasn't going to buy your race car until you went to uni. So you kind of believed him but didn't. Um, but you did end up going back to university. Um, at what age was that and why did you decide to go back to uni? Well, so that was actually the first time. <laughs> um, so this was in, uh, like I finished high school in 1988. So that I, I did a science degree and then I did um, honours in immunology and I was doing a PhD. I was doing medical research at the Alfred um, and I'd started to race as well um, and... It had gotten to the point where racing was starting to take off and the Castrol thing had started and it was really difficult to do both. I mean, they're both things that require a lot of dedication and I kind of had to call it. So I left, um, didn't finish my thesis, but I left uni um, and obviously pursued racing. 
um, and, and sort of just, just through that got absorbed into the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. So back then, um, you know, in the Castrol Cougars days, not a lot of drivers were getting paid to drive and there were a lot of privateers still racing and people funding their own racing. Uh, so obviously I fell into that category. Um, but but worked, I went to work for Castrol when that started um, yeah. as a sales rep in Melbourne and obviously did a lot of, uh, you know, integrated promotion and stuff like that. Um, and the same worked for Wins when they sponsored me and that kind of continued um, you know, well after I stopped finished racing and then for another decade I stayed in the automotive industry. Um, yeah, and then and then I was in Batemans Bay running my own uh, business up there, selling, um, selling aftermarket and other things to car dealers and hadn't raced for quite a long time um, and then got pregnant mm -hmm. and then got sick and then moved back to Melbourne. Um, and that was kind of the start of the, you know, leaving that behind and starting everything that's happened since then. Fantastic. Oh, what has happened? Yeah, so I, uh, well, I was pregnant with Lily and I, I got diagnosed with breast cancer right at the end of my pregnancy there. So, um, you know, that um, at that moment I was living in Batemans Bay and I just decided that, everything in my world that was causing me stress was gone that day. So I pretty much just left the business that I'd spent the last six years building um, behind and came home. Um, obviously having a, a, the first grandchild as well makes you want to be closer to family. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was, uh, yeah, so I moved back to Melbourne um, and had treatment and stuff like that. And obviously Lily was born and, and everything was wonderful there. Um, and it was my father actually who were, was working who's, uh, on a mate's historic racing car, Kim Shearn's car, and they go away with the historics and stuff like that and he'd been doing that for a long time. And Kim was overseas and he came home one day and just said, oh, you know, Kim's overseas and he said we can have a spin in the Lotus while he's away if we want to. And I'm like, what do you mean me drive it? Um, and he's like, yeah, and I don't know, in the blink of an eye, we were up at Winton and, you know, I was still very much recovering from my treatment there um, and, you know, I had a, a lot of weight and just no strength and no hair and it was all, I went up there and jumped in this car and drove around Winton and it was just horrible. I, I couldn't drive, I couldn't change the gears and it was just an I'm driving around thinking, oh, my God, I can't drive anymore and it was awful. Um, but we did a few more sessions and sort of by the end of the day, things had started to fall back into place and, um, yeah, it, it just all sort of started again. Um, you know, sorry, go. I was going to say, how long ago was that? Well, that must have been, I don't know, it must have been about seven years ago or something. And so that started and then I did a couple of races in the Lotus and I won my first race, which was pretty exciting. Wow. Um, and then that led to next minute I got a call from, um, you know, the five-litre touring car association guys that were uh, doing demonstration races at some of the race meetings in, in the uh, touring cars from my my era um, and got asked to drive one of those. So so then, um, you know, next thing I know, I'm sitting in an old touring car again, which was pretty cool, um, driving around Phillip Island. Um, so that was pretty cool. And what happened after that? Um, 
Oh, I was, yeah, I did a race in a mark car. I kind of got addicted again, obviously. <laughs> um, so then I started sort of trying to, you know, get sponsors and stuff like that. Um, so I did a race in a mark car, which was really, really cool. Um, and I did a couple of races in TCM, mm -hmm. yeah. um, which was really, really awesome as well. Um, and was lucky enough to race at Bathurst again 20 years later two years ago, um, you know, I, I hadn't been to Bathurst for, oh, I don't know, probably since I last raced there in 2001, I think it was. And I went up there with, uh, with a bunch of people and just forgot how magical the whole thing is. Um, and I remember sitting in the car with my mate on the way home, just saying, and I'd gotten the bug and wanted to get back into racing again. And I remember saying to him, I've just put Bathurst back on the bucket list. <laughs> Um, and so somehow it all fell into place and got, you know, the custom plates came on board and sponsored me in TCM and I got to go back there and race um, in 2017 and that was, um, just happened to be the 20th anniversary of the Cougars' first race there. So it was all super cool. Um, and, and last year I started racing go-karts again, yep. which I haven't done, um, you know, since I was you know, a little girl, I guess. Um, so after a few bumps and bruises and uh, and a bit of strength training, uh, completely addicted to go-karts. Yep. And, you know, just hoping that I might be able to, uh, you know, pull, pull to, um, some budget together and race cars next year. Fantastic. And so like, where are you racing karting now at the moment? Well, no one's racing at the moment, but... Yeah. <laughs> It's all obviously shut down for now, but um, the RKA Retro Karting Australia, we have five, we had five events planned sort of through New South Wales and Victoria. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were all booked in, but sadly we've only managed to have one so far this year. And, you know, there is another one planned for November in Geelong, which I imagine is unlikely to happen um, yeah, so there's also, uh, and again, these are, I'm obviously very retro as I say all this out loud, but these are not the new go-karts. These are the ones from, you know, that that I raced when I was a teenager. They're the same chassis that are all pre-2000 and the same engines and stuff. So super cool. And a lot of the people that I grew up racing with, as we've all come full circle and are back doing that again 20 years later. Um so there's a, uh, also it happens up in Queensland, um, which I was hoping to do a couple of races up here as well, because obviously there's nothing happening uh, anywhere else in the country for us. But uh, sadly, the dates don't, the stars haven't aligned, so have to wait till next year. Oh, so you're still very passionate about it, Melinda. So great to hear. So I always love catching up with yourself. And what do you think keeps driving your passion? What do you love about the sport? I mean, I don't know. I had that break and when I left, you know, I'd been through, um, you know, I, I'd done it my whole life, um, you know, sort of straight from karting to cars and that was what I did. Um, and it's just, you know, it's what you know. Um, and it got to the point for me where I'd had a few bad experiences and, and a few things and it just got to the stage where there was more that I didn't enjoy than I did enjoy. Um, and I had that break um, and went off on my merry way to take over the world and start a business and all of that. Um, 
And, and when I came back, you know, when, when Dad and I were at Winton that day and it was all unfolding and starting again, I sort of look back a year later and think, how could I have not been doing this the whole time? What was I thinking? So I think, you know, it's part of, um, it's obviously just in me there and obviously there's a, a racing, a few racing genes in the family, but I think it's also about the people. Yes. And what I enjoy so much more this time about TCM and the retro karting and stuff is that they're my people. Now I come back and I'm choosing to do it in the category that I want to do it in with the people that I like and I feel like that's where I belong. And every every RKA meeting is like a big reunion for us. You know, we all go back to when we were teenagers and sit there and so it's... it's and obviously we're all... Um, still incredibly competitive and want to win and stuff, but um, certainly not, not as uh, fit as we were 30 <laughs> years ago. But, you know, it's, it's just now, uh, you know, if I have my five weekends away racing or whatever, they're the people that I want to spend that time with as well as getting my rev fix. So much more enjoyable this time around. Fantastic. And has you ever Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope she's inherited no driving genes from her father at all. <laughs> We're in a bit of trouble. <laughs> he is uh, couldn't be less of a car person. No, I've taken her out to the um, to the go kart track uh, a couple of times down in Melbourne, just the the little high kart one, and she's had a bit of a spin around. So desperately waiting for um, you know things to be opened up again um, and the restrictions ease. And the first thing I'll be doing is getting her to the track because she's nine now. And she has expressed a bit of an interest. And obviously, my dad, Poppy, who was always the uh, the hard taskmaster trainer of you know young carters coming through, is um, is ready to uh, <laughs> to help her go faster and stuff. So yeah, I can't wait to go to the track with her, and I hope she loves it. Oh, I'm hoping my boys are going to start next year too, so we might be back again. Absolutely. And it's funny, everybody that I know that's got kids doing it now is like, don't do it, don't do it. Because obviously things have changed a lot, um, you know, since since I was young and it's a lot more professional and really stepped up a notch. But anyway, no, we're, we're going to gonna have a go and see see how we go. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to see you out there again. But you have come back, um, you did end up going back to uni for the third time. That's right. Sorry? And you end up going back to uni for the third time to do the Yeah, yeah. So after I got sick and I'd um, finished my business and stuff, I guess I had always had a big interest in naturopathy and always seen a naturopath um, sort of throughout my life. And kind of in the back of my mind, it was like, you know, if I won Tats Lotto and didn't need to work again, I think that's what I'd like to do. Um, and it obviously didn't happen that way. Um, but when you're, you know, when you're nine months pregnant and someone says you've got cancer, I guess all that matters to me is that I have this beautiful little baby who wasn't even born yet. And all I want to do is make sure I'm around for the next 40 years, 50 years, whatever, to be her mum. Yeah. Um, so that is what started, um, you know, all of that. Obviously, a, a lot to just know and understand and do as much as I could to fix my personal health. Um, and, you know, probably spread that to the people that I know and care about as well so I can look after them too. Fantastic. What is it for people who don't I'm struggling to hear you. Sorry. I 
That's all right. Isaac, can you tell us a little bit more about what it actually is for those who don't know? Yeah, so well, naturopathy is, is natural medicine, I guess. It's, um, you know, pretty much anything that you might go to your doctor with, you could see a naturopath with. Um, and, uh, you know, rather than treating you with pharmaceuticals and, and masking symptoms and things like that, we tend to, you know, it's a very holistic approach. So we look at your body as a whole and if there's something wrong with you, it's connected to everything else. So we try and find out what's causing that um, and fix the problem rather than just sort of, you know, put you on a pill for life or something like that. So, you know, it, it's um, very like nutrition, the, the whole... Nutrition's obviously a big part of it um, with food um, and exercise and stuff like that. But we have all our nutraceuticals and obviously a whole range of amazing herbal medicines and things like that. That, um, you know, my, my motto is sort of becoming we have every time somebody says something to me, I say, Oh, we have herbs for that. So we kind of, you know, what, whatever problem you've got, we, we can treat with herbs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people like these words. <laughs> so did that help you through your breast cancer? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it did. Um, you know, just I'm sure the stress of going back to uni at the age of 40 and being a full-time student and not working, <laughs> um, that side of it didn't. But, yeah, look, the, the stuff that I've learnt and the education that I've got now is absolutely, um, you know, I use that every day in my own you know, personal life, I'm probably, feel like I'm fitter and healthier now probably than I've ever, ever been and have a, a huge understanding if something goes wrong of how to fix it and it's wonderful to be able to look after, you know, Lily or Dad or anyone in my family or any of my friends if, if they need something. It's, you know, it's really rewarding for someone to come and see you and feel horrible and then to ring you in three days' time and say, I feel amazing. Yeah, I remember the group. Yeah, I was just trying to remember what was wrong with me, but I think did I have coleslaw or something? And you maybe gave me something. I can't remember, but you definitely gave me something at the Grand Prix. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd been smashing some echinacea and stuff. I think because you were fighting a cold. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and yeah we we resolved that with Sam Blanc and Chardonnay. Didn't we? <laughs> we, <I> didn't. <laughs> Um, and so now you've set up your own business, um, just a little price consultancy, um, offering these services not only to motorsport drivers but also to family and friends as well. Um, yeah. how, how can and I can't say the word today. How did, can and help um, athletes? <laughs> um, yeah, look, there's so many ways, and I feel like this is something that's been in the back of my mind. I thought I've got this newfound love of motorsport again and this um, naturopathy, which seem to be polar opposites, and how can I combine these two things that I'm really passionate about? But obviously health and fitness is so prominent now in, um, you know, in motor racing, as they are in all other sports. Um, and so... You know, I was thinking about it and particularly watching David Reynolds at Bathurst even a few years ago, you know, watching that on the TV and stuff. And I was thinking how much, um, you know, obviously having the correct nutrition and diet and being fit and strong and all of those things are really, really essential. But at the end of the day, every person's different as well. Um, and, you know, people might have food sensitivities or eat this or not that. So it's a completely different 
you know, you, every person is completely different. But I think there's so many other things besides that that dietary and fitness thing that affect you as a race driver, particularly over a race weekend. I mean, some people might get super, super stressed and anxious and, and wound up. And obviously we have herbs and uh, remedies and things like that to support your nervous system to stop that from happening. Uh, some people have issues with sleep and some people don't. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's things for cognition enhancing and stuff like that. And obviously if you're stressed or anxious, it affects your digestion. So everything's connected. So I think by analyzing uh, you know, what people go through on a very individual basis over the course of the whole weekend um, and knowing knowing their health history, it can really make sure that every single every single part of them is is in, in the best shape it can be. And how do you overcome, I guess, people having their own thoughts and opinion on this service? So people might think that it's, you know, like all witchcraft or it's just for... Well, yeah, it's certainly, uh, you know, um, we're certainly not, you know, running around sprinkling pixie dust and clapping our hands three times or something like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's always, you're never going to be able to please everybody. And in my opinion, the proof's in the pudding. There's a, a few drivers and people that I've been training for a while already that have had amazing results. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, and that's fine. Um but, you know, naturopathy now is very uh, scientifically based. There's a lot of research into natural remedies um, and stuff like that, and there's a lot of evidence to support the efficacy of the things that we use. So it's uh, certainly not, um, you know, it's much less fluff and tickle than, uh, <laughs> than what it used to be. <laughs> well, I was just putting it out there because I know people probably might be, like, rolling their eyes going, really? Sorry, I just want yeah, to look, I mean, and People don't understand... Um, often what it is that you do um, and, and so there's just that association with a word of having no idea what it really means but you know that's uh, I guess part of my job is to uh, get the message out there of what it is that I actually do and um, you know fight those wars and like I said the proof is in the pudding. It is and how can people access your services? Um, I'm pretty easy to find on, on Facebook and Instagram. I have a new Melinda Price naturopath page on Facebook and on Instagram. So, um, yeah, just touch base. Shout out. Yeah, we'll make sure our Melinda's links are in today's show notes. So if you guys are wanting something a little bit different, maybe you've worked with a nutritional dietitian before, you haven't really found success, or maybe you haven't even looked into that aspect of your racing, um, maybe you know, Melinda can do for you. Um, what's involved in a consult, Linda? Talk us to when people do make contact with you. Then yeah. So an initial consult would normally go for about an hour to an hour and a half, and it depends on, um, you know, how complex the situation is and what people are wanting to achieve. But it, we take a very, very thorough history of everybody's health. So anything that's ever happened sort of from broken bones to chicken pox the whole way through to get a really good understanding of, of what their body's been through and where they might be at. Uh, so it's just really me asking a whole heap of really probing invasive questions <laughs> about all sorts of things. Um, and then I go away and put all that together and come up with a, a treatment plan, which, which is normally a few pages long that I then email out with my uh, recommended prescription as well. And we, uh, you know, 
start doing whatever it is that, that we've decided to do and sort of just constantly reevaluate that. I mean, the thing is that, you know, the, the end goal here isn't to just be on on medication and take, you know, like if you went to the doctor and had high cholesterol here, have this tablet for the rest of your life. It's not like that. Our goal is to figure out why you've got high cholesterol and fix that so that at some point in time you don't need to take anything and that's not a problem for you anymore. So it's always an ongoing process of, uh, you know, hopefully just an uphill spiral of better health. Yeah, and like you said, look, it's all natural, it's all organic products and services products. And um, it's a lot better for your health. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing. There are no side effects, uh, and obviously, in terms of uh, doping and stuff like that as well. You know, uh, even just treating inflammation and pain and stuff like that, we can do very, very well um, with with herbs and nutraceuticals and stuff. So there's a, a, a particularly in sport, you know, a I think a, a need for that too, and and where you don't have to compromise in another area by having some horrible side effect. Uh, and I think not, even just not race weekends, but there's a lot lot of work we can do in between as well because I think our industry in general has a really high chemical exposure. Obviously, where, uh, you know, the, the, the people working on the cars and the teams and stuff are in chemicals and grease and this and that all day long. When you're sitting in the car, you've got those petrol fumes and all sorts of things like that. So your liver and your body in general gets a fair old, you know, uh, hit of chemicals so in between races and stuff like that I think just you know supporting detoxification and stuff like that to make sure you're everything's out of your body and you're ready for action again for the next race yeah and you see it's like there you're just um, saying I wouldn't even thought about the environment I guess in chemicals um, that you know we inhale um, again like if you're looking for that one percent performance it's exactly what you're doing. Um, yeah exactly for sure yeah um you know, to make sure that you are 100%, 150% right to go for race day. Yeah, and especially when you've got back-to-back -back races close together and stuff like that, like you really, you know. So I kind of see it as a building up to a race weekend and then addressing things that affect people, you know. And like I said, everybody's different there on, on race weekends. And then getting all that out of your body and building yourself up again for the next one. So, yeah, I'm hoping I can sort of, uh, you know, get this thought bubble into some kind of a, a program. And like I said, the ball's rolling, but definitely keen to uh, to get out there and get a few more people involved and, um, you know, get some positive results. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm a huge fan, so I'm happy to support you in any way we can over here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for your, for your time today, Melinda. I can't talk today. I don't know why, but... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had my morning coffee. I think maybe that's the issue today. Um, but I can't let you go without asking, uh, what has been your favourite track? Whether you're racing or uh, Definitely the Nürburgring. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess racing in Australia prior to having gone over there, Bathurst was my favourite track. Um, and when I got over there, I had somebody asked me what it was like after my first session and I said, it's like Bathurst times 10. Um, yeah. Like just, you know, every combination of every type of corner and those huge long straights and obviously the scenery is incredible and the carousel, we drop in and pop out the other end, like just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely recommended. It. It's back on my bucket list as well. Fantastic. And so we've got your Facebook, you're on Facebook, Instagram and your website. It's all melindaprice.com. 
Uh, the website uh, isn't isn't happening yet. Um, so yeah, just go Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, no worries. Well, again, yeah. thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, do you have any parting words for athletes or people getting started in the sport? All your years of wisdom that you can pass on, something that your dad said, Jeff Bradham, being involved in sports. <laughs> oh, you've put me on the spot there. I have, I have. I just feel like you've got a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Look, oh gosh, I wish I could think of something really intelligent to say. <laughs> um, no, I'll think of something and I'll text it to you. Right. I'll think of something. It's fine. We'll just read it. I'll think of something really clever. No worries. Don't yeah, you? No, I don't know. Um, That's all right. I'll just delete it out. Yeah. Beautiful. Cool. That's lovely. Thank you. No, that was good. I get so worked up about these things, but that was, it's, it's all right once you get going, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Because you're just talking about what you're passionate about. And as I said, I was just giving you a platform. Sorry, Belinda, hang on one sec, because there's just been a knock at my door, which is probably the police or a nurse. Hang on. It's all right. Yes, it was. It was a policeman. <laughs> no, that's all right. They drop things. Um, drop people can drop you things off and stuff like that. Um, and they bring things to you. Um, yeah. I didn't actually look at his face. Oh, because they won't come anywhere near you because they just drop the bag and they stand metres away with their masks on. Um, and oh yeah, it's like. It's like I said, it's like if you make eye contact with someone, they're going to explode. Um, and look, and I get it. That's, you know, what, but anyway, no. So you don't get to have much of a look. But <laughs> I had my second COVID test, had one when I got here and I had the other one yesterday. Yep. So I'm waiting to hear that I'm all okay and ready to get out of here. 72 hours and counting, my love. How many? Won't it be like 72 hours? Oh, yeah, I haven't even worked it out. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I should start the countdown now that it's in, in double digits. Yeah. yeah, no, pretty exciting. Well, but like as you can... no, I was going to say, it looks like it's a beautiful day there. Go and grab your book and relax. Your I own. do. I get sun from 7.30 until 1.30. Oh, so okay. that's my out on the balcony time. And then, um, and then, yeah, I just do what I've got to do in the afternoon because I'm determined to get dedicated at least an hour a day, to, which is... Possibly not the most naturopathic thing in the world to say, but uh, <laughs> I'm a bit all about the tan. Well, when you come back, I might actually book in a consult for myself. I feel like now that I'm older and you know, mm -hmm. after COVID and probably do some detox stuff. And Yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, yeah, I'd really, you know, love to do I'm going to meet with a couple of... Um, of you know people that I know up here as well and just try and get a few people on board and sort of work on some stuff in the background so that I can kind of figure out what path this is going to take. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my dream would be to be looking after a bunch of drivers and have to go to every race forever. <laughs> you know, I guess that's what we all want. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. All right, darling. Yeah, well, I'll put that in because I know you like doing your other work for the next two weeks. So I'll book it in well, after that. After school holidays. Yeah. Like term four, you know, after school holidays, when I've got time to concentrate on meat again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, we can have a chat over the phone if you want. Um, but if you're in Melbourne and we're allowed to travel and stuff, it's sort of nicer to do it in person. But if there's something that something important that you want to address before then, just let me know. I'm going to be fat still in four weeks, so it's okay. <laughs> trying did you say fat i'm trying so hard because they bring you three meals a day um and you know you, you can't you're not very active like i try and do some exercises every morning and wander around and all that but you can't do much so i'm horrified about popping out the other end really you know so i rang them when i arrived and i'm like i don't want any gluten, any bread, any cakes, any this, any that. Don't give you all I want is like meat and vegetables and fruit. And they keep bringing me cakes like every day. I'm like, I don't want dessert. Don't give me a croissant. I don't want a cake. Like no dessert. Because then you sit there and you get bored and you eat. Anything so, I want. I, know. I hear it's a vicious circle. So I've been trying so hard not to um not to overeat because it's easy to do, isn't it? When you can't do any, everything else. Yeah, well, I've been doing over 10,000 steps every day. How many? So over 10,000. So oh, good. Yep. I've been, yeah, on average, probably doing about 12 and a half. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard, like, you know, because the kids is home and... Oh, yeah, and we're all sitting on our asses doing, you know, I'm sitting here, I've never spent this much time in front of, you know, on my computer, just sitting there doing stuff like ever in my life. So everything just slows down when you stop moving. And it's winter. Yeah. Um, so we'll all get energised now that spring's nearly here and hopefully look forward to a bit of an ease in restrictions and pop out the other end with a bit of mo motivation. That's right. <laughs> motivated. Yeah. All right, lovely. I've got both of the kitties to homeschool. How fantastic all right. they are. Thank you. Glad we finally did this and yes. talk soon. Okay, cheers. Bye bye. See ya. Bye. Hi, guys. Alex Garner here, Go Racer from Queensland. I've been with Motivate for about a year now, and I've definitely benefited from her and her crew. Nutrition, social media, sponsorship, and exercise is what she helps me with. She also does mental strength as well. I'm looking forward to my journey ahead with Motivate Training. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.